Hello everybody and welcome to the as of yet untitled but tentatively titled Ringcast uh, podcast. Uh, this is SoFox and uh, with me are two people. Um, now, uh, I'd like to go around and introduce everyone. Now the key thing is give us your current name that you're going by but also because there's a bit of a heritage to this podcast, if you give the name that you were known by in the Moogle Cavern or the Sonic Eats Rings and such. So uh, uh, Miles, you go first. Sure. So um, <clears throat> I go by Miles. Um, I used to go by Milo on the Moogle Cavern message board. Um, you're free to call me either. I know you do, so Fox. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I'm comfortable with both. Yeah, I, I remember there was this there was this whole little in joke of whenever you posted, someone would just make a single word post with Milo in it, and then just yeah. I don't post. know where that came from, but it was pretty <laughs> cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I didn't know. And actually, you had you had one name before. Mi- yeah, everyone just posted Milo, and you one name before Milo, didn't you? Yeah, I, I I went by like my Sonic character's name, which was Twister, way yeah. back in the day. Yes, awesome. Okay, um, and so uh, so we go by Miles or Milo. And uh, Nick, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, hello everyone. My name is Nicholas Petrella. I used to be known as Will Novison on the Moogle Caverns and then uh, Sonic Eats Rings. I haven't been on in many years, and mainly because I've been doing a lot of audiobook work. I even had my own radio show for a time on, a, on an actual AM radio station. And right now, uh, I also am restarting my own podcast, The Drawing Board, which was also the name of the radio show I used to have. So it's kind of an evolution of that show. Awesome. Um, yeah, we've definitely got our own uh, we've got our own things going on. We'll talk a bit more about that later. Um, incidentally, I had a, I had a radio, I, I was on, I had a show on a, ra- a community radio station for a while that was called uh, about video game music, but that's, we can talk about that later. Um, so, um, oh yeah, so how do you, sorry, just to be clear, how, how should, how do you, would you prefer to be addressed for this episode? Uh, I'll just go by Nick. Nick, okay, because so not rather Nicholas. Okay, so Nick and Miles, and of course your host here, SoFox. I was mostly known by SoFox, but in my in the earlier days, I did go by the Flying Fox. Actually, quick bit of trivia: uh, SoFox is short for Soaring Fox, but that's another day's work. So <laughs> yeah, I don't think I knew that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had to. I, I was, thought it was. Yeah. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was just some sort of, like, weird Sonic OC name. No, well, kind of. It was It was for Cadia. Um, are you familiar with Forcadia? Uh, no. Basically, it's a graphical... Ch- it's a glorified graphical chat room where you... Kind of a furry one. And uh, when I joined, I the Flying Fox was taken, probably by, you know, a bat, because apparently the Flying Fox is the name of a bat. So I just typed in Soaring Fox instead, and later on I shortened it because, you know, I kept shortening it. Um, and that's, I, that's when I also tried to redesign the character for a time that stuck, and it's been through a few redesigns since. It's, and, <laughs> But uh, yes, uh, yeah, so there you go. Uh, so we all have, you know, complex backstories going on. Um, so, at, oh yes, um, before, on the topic of names... Um, while you were away for a second, Nick, I just did a quick bit of research, and our tentative name, Ringcast, which incidentally was the name of an earlier incarnation of this thing, it went Moogcast, Ringcast, um, it's taken. Um, there are a bunch of Italian people who like talking about video games, and so Ringcast is taken. So, uh, before we get started, does anyone have any proposals for other things this could be named? Maybe Ringercast? Because okay. we're we're way ringer than those guys. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe the Needle Mouse cast. Uh, Ooh, I kind of like that. Needle Mouse. That's nice. It's like going right back to our. That actually works. Hang on a second. I'm typing that down. And yes, I know <laughs> I've got a loud typewriter. Um. Okay. Uh. Uh, Miles, are you any suggestions? Oh, uh, no, I kind of like that one. Like, because, you know, like I mentioned to you earlier, it's kind of hard to, to land on a name that we all sort of have in common. And I guess Sonic is that one thing we all have in common. So, uh, yes. Um, Which, 
which is ironic since the Moon Cavern was originally set up yeah. to be a Final Fantasy fan site and it became a popular Sonic website. It's it's all it's all funny how that happens. Yeah, that, I whenever I used to tell my friends in high school, oh, I'm part of the Sonic forum called the Moogle Cavern. They're like, wait, 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 Sonic? What? Huh? I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny how things. I, it's funny how things evolve because I remember. Uh, I think it was Keith that actually sent a letter to Sega asking mm-hmm. if Sonic still eats chili dogs, and they responded back, not only does he eat rings, but yes, he still eats chili dogs. And that's how we got Sonic Eats Rings. Yeah. yeah. I'll be honest, I was totally out of communication when that happened, and I came back, what? Sonic Eats Rings? But yes, it was, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, when it went from Moog Cavern to Sonic Eats Rings. Although, then again, it wasn't quite that... <laughs> that's a long and sordid sto- backstory for another time. We'll, we'll have that flashback later, I think. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> I always I wasn't a hundred percent keen on Sonic Eats Rings to be honest, but that's another day. I think work. it wasn't even supposed to stick. I think they kind of came up with that as a temporary thing, and then everybody got used to it and was like, "Okay, sure." Yeah, I think Pasta House was also in contention. Um, <laughs> okay, that's a ref. One of our okay. Um, so skipping skipping by all that all that delicious lore, um, let's get back to what brings us a lot of us together. That is Sonic. And more specifically, the biggest thing that has happened recently when Sonic games, and that is, or Sonic in general, and that is the movie. Woohoo! <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, um, I guess this is the part where, um, all right, so there's been some uh, current affairs with this movie. Basically, it's coming out on Blu-ray and streaming a lot earlier than anticipated due to, I don't know, some some thing about something about a curriculum vitae or something i don't know um so the point is <laughs> uh first of all before we dive into it what did you first of all have you seen the movie let's start with that yes i did see the movie great yeah uh, same here all right and let's what did you think of it well when it first when i first heard about it and i saw the trailer oh. i thought this was going to be terrible but then they delayed the film, redesigned Sonic to look a lot less horrifying. And, a lot and then like... I started... Yeah. Yes, a lot more like a video game character and not like a real hedgehog. Yeah. I don't know why they did that design first. But anyway, I, I go in, I start seeing the reviews, hearing it's actually pretty good. And then I... Uh, then I decided, yeah, you know, what the hell, I'll go in on like discount movie day just to see if it actually is good. And I went in with like pretty low expectations and sometimes this helps because after the movie was over i'm like yeah you know that was actually pretty good i thought it you know it didn't feel as bad as uh, some of the more recent 3d video games yeah uh, i liked yeah, yeah that's liked, saying something <laughs> i liked jim i loved jim carrey as dr robotnik uh i loved ben schwartz voicing sonic i, I liked the whole idea about uh, you know him using the rings to you know transport from world to world yeah and it hey it actually did well it made money and there's already a sequel in the works so you know good on you uh paramount you did a you gotta you gotta <laughs> clap for that you did a good job you made yeah. a you made a sonic movie that wasn't terrible yeah i'm i'm actually more giving my praise to uh, jeff fowler here on this one which is is fascinating in it, in itself because of what he did but yeah definitely they took a situation and they definitely made it made it better um do you want to give your opinion miles yeah sure um i actually really liked it as well um i thought it was a fun kids movie with a whole bunch of um fairly in-depth references for folks like us who pay attention to that sort of thing um I have to say, I kind of feel like, um, uh, are we not really spoilering? Should we just kind of give general opinions Um, and not really talk about movie points? Um, Okay, I think we got to play it safe. Um, Yeah, for sure. um, The thing is, if you can avoid spoiling as much as possible, if it's a major spoiler, just leave it out. 
But um, no, so I guess on that note, I'll just kind of say that I think they could have done a lot more with it. Um, but I'm happy with what happened. It was like you know, like Nick said, it was a good movie. Um, it's performing well in the box office. It's bringing us a sequel, and I'm really hoping they they tackle some more in depth Sonic stuff in the sequel because I do kind of feel like the story was fairly generic. Um, yes. They could have they they could have kind of drawn a lot more inspiration from Sonic's history. There was a lot to draw from. Um, but yeah, overall, it was fun. It was cool. Cool. Uh, well, so- I think they were the first... I'm sorry. Uh, I'll just bring up a one point. I think for the first film, they just wanted to play it safe since this was the first yeah. live-action Sonic movie. You didn't know really... Not only did you have to keep the fans happy, you also had to get, you know, the newbies, the the the, the younger generation of kids interested in this blue hedgehog that runs real fast. and hey, Yeah, that's very fights. true. Yes. Uh, yeah, for my point, obviously the movie had a lot going, a lot going against it. Instead of taking when we was first announced, first of all there was the design, which the biggest problem was that it did not look like Sonic, and then they created a new design, and the genius was that it actually looked like Sonic. I mean, like, it's amazing looking at the new trailer, and I'm like, I look at that and I see Sonic the Hedgehog. This is very interesting because <laughs> they didn't get that with the first. <laughs> one. Um, yeah. Now I'm kind of wondering uh, whose idea it was uh, for the first trailer to put in Coolio's Gangsta's Paradise. Oh, dear God. <laughs> I, I was have... that's such a it was such a decision. Just say, oh, let's see, we need some '90s music for this right, movie yeah. about a blue hedgehog. I just put in like that Coolio jam that uh, that originally was made for another movie with Michelle Pfeiffer. Yes, and they exactly. just decided to eh, just. They, they couldn't use a Michael Jackson song. They didn't use some other <laughs> 90s song that had to be, that also was about running real fast. No, just fucking put in Coolio. I don't care. Oh, no. and, it, and it's specifically about the troubles of inner city kids and the culture that they are raised in. It is completely. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> and oh, boy. And that song was sampled from a Stevie Wonder song, uh, Pastime Paradise. Okay, well... Um, oh, it's just the rabbit hole goes deeper. I know, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, if, if, if anything, they should have gotten Stevie Wonder to... <laughs> they should have gotten Wonder Song in the trailer. <laughs> okay, enough about Sonic. Yeah. No, wait, no. hang on. I'm, I just, sorry, I just wanted to quickly finish a uh, thing. I mean, like, the movie had a lot going against it. A bad design, a cliche pop plot that's a mix between a buddy cop and, um, and a road trip movie. <laughs> Taking place in yeah. the real world, which honestly, even at release, still affected it. I mean, like, I watched the movie twice, and the second time they're having that discussion again about, oh, do I want to move to San Francisco or not? Oh, love... You know, it's a whole drama, and I'm thinking, boy, I just almost want to walk out right now. But thankfully, <laughs> Sonic is actually in the movie. I was so terrified to be one of those movies that focused totally on the humans and ignore the actual, you know, character that they are there to see. Transformers yeah. being the classic example there. I mean, hey, here's the adventures of Shia LaBeouf and his friends and, like, a hacker dude and all these quirky government characters. Oh, and by the way, there are some, like, transforming robots in there somewhere. Um, But it's, like, even at the climax, it's mostly Sonic's show. They still find a thing for the human guy to do, but it's, like, overall, it's, like, it's a kid's movie. It's kind of silly in a lot of ways, but in a best way. Sonic, it just feels like Sonic, and there's a lot of energy and fun. And um, and I just and I just go hats off because I mean there were a lot of things going against it, um, but Jeff Fowler, who incidentally has only this is like his second directing job, which is which is surprising, and his first thing was only an animated short, uh, so he's done a great job in respecting the character. I, I think after the first trailer hits, they were surprised that people paid so much attention. They thought it would. They thought they didn't realize that pe- so many people cared about Sonic and just. But Jeff Fowler you know, stuck to it, he actually recreated this. Whereas, you know, and actually, you know, appeased, created something that, you know, is alike, just even if you're not familiar or if you're a fan. That's yeah, nice. I, oh, uh, to reiterate what you said, I, I was going to say that I feel like um, the people on board really uh, had a lot of respect for the character uh, post-redesign, you know, the pr- the first design, you know, we're not, we won't even 
uh, discuss what kind of respect they were showing the character then, but it definitely seemed like after they realized, like you said, that there was such a following and fan appreciation for this character, they went back and they're like, okay, well, let's try and take a little bit more seriously and give these people the character they want to see on the big screen. Exactly. And, and I'm still hoping that, like, there's a really good sequel that's a little bit more like the first part of this movie, which actually shows animated worlds and different characters and everything. Yeah, because exactly. Because this was a good movie, and I'm glad, but Sonic has so much more potential, and I don't want it, and I just really want them to, like, I really hope that the second movie, just the next movie, they just, they just take what they've got and build on it, because there's just so much more things they can do. Yeah. Oh, and I also want to I imagine. About... Yeah, sorry. No, you first, Nick. Okay. I imagine for the sequel, uh, they will introduce Sally Acorn from the Sad AM cartoon and hopefully, maybe, get Kath Sosi to come back. Um, That's an interesting prospect. It is. It's interesting. Honestly, I thought that Longclaw, i.e., don't worry, this isn't a spoiler, the owl appears like in the start of the movie. It was actually weird. I walked in late and I saw an owl on the screen that was CGI and I thought, did I walk in on Legend of Guardians by accident? I didn't think I was <laughs> <in there. laughs> um, But yes, uh, she, Longclaw actually honestly reminded me of Sally Acorn. It seemed to play a somewhat role. Someone said something like that, so I don't know. But I don't know, Sally Acorn, it's always been tricky to get her in. She was in the classic cartoon and I don't know, maybe. It kind of seems like they want to almost forget about those cartoons these days. They've, they've completely been retconned from Sonic lore. As much as like Sega has been kind of gathering up old properties and, and, and repurposing them for modern Sonic, it does kind of seem like they've tried to forget about uh, Sad AM, Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic Underground. Well, yeah, but I mean, in, in fairness, they were forgetting about themselves. You're acting like they had a canon that was overwritten. Sad AM and Adventures were at the same time. They were literally simultaneously overriding each other's canon while they were being released. <laughs> True. I mean, the grounder, Scratch and Grounder didn't meet, uh, wasn't like in Robotropolis and speaking with Sally Acorn. And Sally Acorn and Bunny didn't like chat to, um, I guess, even Tails. I don't... But yes, it's it's a long quarter. Okay, um, this is kind of stretching on. So I just want to quickly wrap up with, with the Sonic movie specifically. Um, I loved a lot of references and because I'm a ner- like it, it, like there was the rings in the Paramount logo. There was an orchestral overture that was almost exactly like the Sega. Um, of course there was some Sonic mania music. Even the trailer had a bit of a reference to the green Hill tune. Um, there was a, there was a great big truck and San Francisco, both references to Sonic two, although San Francisco actually man of the year, that classic short from Sonic jam that actually took place in a version of San Francisco. And then uh, Sonic Adventure took inspiration from Man of the Shorts, uh, of Man of the Year, because that short shows Sonic running on skyscrapers, and he does that in the opening of Sonic Adventure and in one of the part of Steep Speed Highway. So if you want to know where Station Scare is inspired from, maybe it's partially New York, but it's also partially inspired by that cartoon's representation of San Francisco. Yeah, it kind of seems like Sega has sort of had an infatuation with San Francisco from the yeah. beginning. Um, yeah, pretty much. So it's kind of, it, I felt, yeah, it was definitely appropriate to have the movie take place in San Francisco as opposed to, yeah. you know, anywhere else, I suppose. Well, if, well, for any, it's it's the, it's the real world city that's got the strongest connection to uh, Sonic. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, Nick, anything you want to add before we move on? Um, no, you guys pretty much covered everything. Uh, the yeah. movie was good, had references for the fan. Um, I'll be waiting for the sequel whenever it comes out. Sounds like a plan. Okay, so um, on, to, uh, on to from Sonic to video games in general. Uh, any video games we're playing? Um, I can start. I recently... St- uh, oh. oh, well, well okay. You, uh, you start. Okay, you start. Okay, um, basically... Uh, two games I'm playing. One is Project High Rise. Um, basically, it's just a s- simple, fun little game about building a skyscraper. I believe, and I'm not sure, that it's based on Sim Tower. <coughs> if you recall in the 90s, the Sim you had Sim City, which was a huge deal and was like one of the earliest sort of like build a world sort of games possible. There's original Sim, 
uh, SimCity and then SimCity 2000 and 3000 in the 90s. And um, then they had a bunch of uh, sim games. One of them was SimCopter, which I always wanted to play because they said that you could play a helicopter and fly around the cities that you created in SimCity. And I so wanted to do that, but I never got the chance. It's probably one of my video game regrets, which, you know, isn't a major one in the grand scheme, but still something I w would have liked to do. Um, I don't even have the original uh, copies of my cities anymore, so there's that. Um, there was SimCopter. There was a Sim Tower, which this game is, which I believe that the game I'm playing is an inspiration from, just like Twin Peaks Hospital is based off of a theme hospital. Um, you know, it's an indie remake of a classic game, basically, even without any sort of licensing involved. Um, also, incidentally, there was a game called, in the classic 90s, called Sim Ant, which was basically simulating an ant colony. Um, so essentially, you basically build several layers of a skyscraper. You try to decide whether it's going to be, you know, a apartments or it's going to be like an offices and you you know rented out specific tenants or whether it's going to be like just retail or just a food shop or something so you have to assign each one you have to build builders you have to set up phone lines yes there's a bit of a 90s aesthetic to it uh, and electricity and you know set up car jobs and have maintenance offices and all this sort of stuff but it's 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 kind of fun and kind of interesting and hits the whole pattern of the more you build the more money you make and then you've got more management and maintenance and you just gradually, you know, make your uh, building a skyscraper higher and higher. I think I'm at the 20th floor by now, and I've got, like, a whole mix of offices, and I've got a whole mix of, um, yeah, and a bunch of residential ones. Some of them are residential, and I've even got, like, a shopping floor, which is devoted to all these shops, like, for shoes and clothes and such. And that's, like, on the... Oh, that sounds, that sounds pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as far as sim games go, I don't really play a whole lot of sim games, but um, I like, you know, resource management kind of stuff, and that seems like uh, a pretty good take on that genre. Yeah, if you like resource management, um, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. It, it you know, that's, that's kind of what it is. And like I said, it's called Project High Rise, and yeah, you have to take care of management. You have to make sure all the building are being paid. You have to pay for services like copy, a, a, make a copy room for the offices. Oh, and you have to, you know, like work out elevator shafts and uh, staircases and such, and, uh, oh, and all these cool. and, and do decoration. And you can make really nice lobbies with having decorations. It's all it's all two D, by the way. Uh, it's all like complete uh, cross section. Uh, but is it uh, kind of like uh, roller coaster tycoon graphics? I guess. No, Rollercoaster roller Tycoon is, is down on. Uh, you're dealing with clean graphics. It's it's not pixelated. They haven't gone for that aesthetic, but it's more of a clean, uh, okay. a clean, functional kind of like like a like like that poster design where you don't have really outlines, but you've got nice shapes and stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, but it's um, oh yeah, um, and uh, it's 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 functional. It's it's two D. It's a side thing, but it's it's nice. It works well at high resolutions. Yes. And, uh, oh. okay, uh, but yes, um, all right, um, all right, any, any, any other games you guys would like to talk about, or you're playing at the moment? Uh, truthfully, I haven't been playing too many video games as of late on account of, uh, on account of my job, and whenever, and whenever I do get home, whenever I do have days off, I'm usually either... Uh, doing chores around my apartment, running errands, getting food, or just watching uh, TV. Uh, but I started a bit more of uh, Breath of the Wild after putting ah. it down for a couple Ooh. months. Yeah, I'm at the, I'm at the, the Water Temple now uh, and got up to the final boss. I'm forgetting the name at the moment. I'm sorry. It's uh, one of the Ganons. <laughs> uh, <Okay>. But, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah. Uh, maybe after this is over, I'll hop back on, see if I can uh, beat that boss. Uh, other than that, I've been playing the uh, the Super Nintendo uh, uh, selection they have on the Switch. Uh, beat Super Metroid for the first time a few days ago. Oh, nice. And, yeah, also played a, also played Poppin' Twin B, which we never got in America, but I know it was released in Europe. That's a fun game, fun time waster. Love, uh, I love the old... Uh, I love the old 2D graphics and that classic 16-bit Konami music. Okay. Uh, it's it, 2D graphics in video games, they age like fine wine. 3D graphics so, age like milk. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I think, I, think we're, I think we're back at the stage where even a lot of 3D graphics these... I mean, like Jet Set Radio is classic. 
uh, there was a long period of video game history where 3D graphics were all about, you know, technology rather than aesthetics. Uh, yeah. Any games that bucked that trend, like Vib Ribbon or Jet Set Radio, still look good today, even at higher uh-huh. resolutions. Whereas games that focus yeah, too um, much on technology don't work as well, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I kind of have a soft spot for some of those, like, early, like, PS1, Sega Saturn 3D polygons. I just think there's there's something unique about them that, I don't know, Um, it kind of uh, really um, light a fire in, in this little, yeah. in my creative tastes. Especially, I guess, like, uh, Mega Man Legends. Um, I think that they did, the art department in that game did a really good job of taking these low-poly graphics and making them look like, an animated cartoon um i think that that game definitely holds a test of time in terms of graphics okay um wait, which which game again specifically Mega Man legends okay i haven't played um i mean yeah I, I do see what you're saying um actually there was a game released actually a bit ago a year or two ago never stop sneaking and like a lot of like a lot of like indie games that try to go for a retro aesthetic only instead of being pixel art like most of them, they tried to be at like the classic, you know, um, paper craft style, um, you know, early 3D graphics of like the original yeah. Metal Gear. So I, I never played it, and it's apparently it's got mixed reviews on Steam. I know that one of the guys who worked on uh, Dust and Lissy and Tail worked on it. I think maybe he even created this. But uh, okay, that's just. But but uh, yes, it is it is tricky. So. I do like some basic 3D characters because they almost look like puppets and it's like they still have cartoony and colorful aesthetic that works, but it really does depend. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, I can see what you mean. Yeah. Uh, so, Miles, uh, any any game you want to talk about? Yeah, you know, I've been playing, um, I guess, two games for the most part pretty recently. Well, Animal, the new Animal Crossing just came out a few days ago. Um yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I was way big on Animal Crossing for the GameCube and then Animal Crossing Wild War World for the DS. Um, so uh, I was beyond excited to to be able to sink my teeth into a brand new Animal Crossing. So my wife and I have been just like passing the switch back and forth hours at a time for the last few days. Um, it's fun. It's kind of one of those games where I get on and I'm like, well, you know, I guess I'll just kind of catch a few bugs and you know, do a couple things, and then, oh my god, it's five hours later, and I'm still playing. And, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how it happens, uh, but it just does. And there's always something to do. There's a lot more custo- customization. Are, are you guys at all familiar with Animal Crossing series? Um, I am. I played the GameCube version. Okay. How about you, Sofox? No, I've missed out on pretty much absolutely everything Animal Crossing, so every few years there's this gigantic spike where people like completely obsess over this game that I'm completely <laughs> in the dark about. And I don't it's definitely even... not for... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I don't even know where, how to get started. I mean, like, it goes back... I don't even have half the hardware that these games came out on, which is the best uh, one. Yeah. Um, it's definitely not for everybody. It's, you know, a simple... It's, it's a simulation game, kind of... Um, I mean, in one hand, it's, it's really, really simple, but then it's also as complex as, as you want to make it. Um, this entry in particular has a lot more customization right out the gate, where you can kind of... Um, design more clothes to wear or um, there's different combinations of furniture for instance and in this one you can actually before you were limited to what you could put in your house and now you can kind of build a yard and you could put furniture outside your house and it's just kind of cool it's it's a lot of fun okay cool um um huh. go ahead yeah um Okay, that's it. Does it does sound fun? Maybe I'll just get it for the Switch since I do it. But then I'll just feel like I'm missing out on like a million things because I haven't been following it up to this point. I think. Um, uh, I mean, I can understand that, but I, I don't. I think with this entry in particular, they've done a good job of sort of um, incorporating uh, stuff from the old games while also um, giving you brand new stuff to play with. So okay. I think if you were to pick this one up, you really wouldn't be missing out on, on too much. Okay. Really just the legacy. Yeah, I guess Breath of the Wild, just to bring that game up, did a really good job of it. I My track record with Zelda games is very, very spotty, but generally you didn't need to know the best thing. You could, it, think the game really worked on itself with maybe a few references here and there. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, it's kind of the same thing here, I think. Cool. Um... So, um, 
onto more gen. Oh, by the way, before I quickly stop talking about video games, I've also been. I also got minorly addicted to Slay the Spire, a combat card game. But uh, I think I've talked. Uh, maybe I'll talk about that some other time. Um, <clears throat> okay, so uh, so general interest. Now, Nick, you were previously talking about how you liked anime, right? Yes. All right. Um, do you want to? I guess you've been watching. So, what is it you wanted to talk about? Because, um, yeah. All right. So, actually, funny thing. In a few hours from now, I'm actually going to be doing my own uh, pre-recorded podcast, uh, the Drawing Board. Uh, it was the an original. Now, I've been a. Um, it was originally a radio show I had on AM 1460 WVOX in New Rochelle, New York, that lasted for about a year before I had to move away from there and to uh, Brantford, Connecticut to be closer to friends and family. Uh, and also, well, family. I don't really have, I don't really know anyone up here just yet, uh, but also just to put, you know, a do-over on my life since I was working two jobs beforehand. Right. Anyway, anyway, with this latest podcast episode coming up, I'm going to be talking about what I think is one of the best animes ever made, Giant Robo, The Day the Earth Stood Still. It's a 90s remake of an old 60s era live action TV show, but yeah. more than that. It's who have you ever have any of you guys ever seen G Gundam? No. No. I know it has All robots. Right. Yes, well, all right. Well, the guy who directed G Gundam, Yasuhiro Imagawa, also directed Giant Robo. Uh, but he's he has a certain style to him, and I think he's an underrated director. He has a style to him that's very grandiose and epic, and put and he likes to put in he likes to do things his way. One of his favorite movies is the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and he lives by a certain quote on whatever he works on: "Don't dream it, be it." You know, don't worry about trends. <laughs> nice. Yeah, don't worry about trends uh, in other shows. Don't look at other shows for ideas. Just do what you want to do. Put in stuff you like, and hopefully other people will like. That's, uh, that's amazing. I, I love that yeah. philosophy. I love that too. Yeah, genuinely. It's, it's the dream just to, just to be who you want to be. Say what you want to say. Live how you want to live. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. This is cool. I'm looking at pictures of this uh, right now because I've never heard of it, and I'm really digging what I'm seeing. I want to look this up and, and give it a watch. Oh yeah, it got uh, it recently got a Blu-ray release here in America. Uh, beforehand, it was actually the talk of the town back in the '90s when it was originally released on VHS. This thing had actually a long production st- production cycle, which uh, the first episode came out in 1992. The last episode came out in 1998. Okay, huh. and if you watch. Yeah, if you if you watch it, you'll find out why there was such a big uh, there was a big like long gap between each episode because like they put so much work into the animation, the story, the music, uh, just about everything. But unfortunately, as the years went on, giant and anime became more mainstream, and just more people started know know about it. Uh, it became sort of more obscure, and less people talked about it, mainly because you know old anime. Is, uh, that's old news. We want the new stuff that'll that people will forget about once the merchandise stops selling. Uh, yeah, that can. I mean, okay. Can you look truthfully? There's about a million things with Gundam. Can you give us a whether this was a TV series or a movie, and b the exact name? Because I'm just trying to make sure I looked up the right thing in front of me. Okay, so it started as a TV series back in 1979 as okay. Mobile Suit Gundam. As Mobile Suit Gundam, that was like, and that was oh, okay. the the birth of the real robot genre. Uh, nice. Yeah. So beforehand, like robot, the super okay. robot shows were. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, keep going. Okay. So beforehand, before Gundam, you had the super robot shows, which were, you know, basic villain of the week story. Had basic villain of the week storylines. Were mainly designed to sell toys. And the robots didn't really work on logic so much as super science and, uh, you know, do whatever. Robots, and some robots. of them worked on magic. Yeah, well, robots, and... robots rarely actually make sense because of these size. Because basically they, they completely ignore the square cube lore, what, square lore, whatever it's called. 
<laughs> yeah, you you don't have to worry about that with the super robot shows. Just like watch Get a Robo or Mazinger fight the robot, buy the toys, stuff like that. <laughs> okay. So when so when the super when the real when Gundam came along, it treated the robot like an actual war machine, like a tank or or a submarine not really uh not really a not really the superhero robot but more like a tool used for war okay which is yeah yeah. okay yeah and if and because of the success of gundam actually it failed when it originally uh aired and then became popular through reruns okay uh because of this it started like the the real robot genre which like gave more emphasis on you know, if these machines were real, how would they actually work and function? And also put more emphasis on story and character development and okay. gave birth to, yes, the okay. Universal Century. Okay. Um, I, I'll be honest, I'm not sure I can keep track of every show, but basically Gundam was what made gigantic fighting robots really popular by just taking what had been before and renovating it and then in the 90s there was a version of Gundam that you really really like and was made by a director that you really respect am I right yes yes G Gundam yes G Gundam was different because that was the start of the alternate universe uh series so break continuity basically Yes, but great continuity. Put it in its own standalone universe. You don't have to know anything about the other show. It's called get... a reboot. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could call it that. But no, with the alternate universe Gundams, they you know you do a different story, but don't have to worry about following the main Universal Century timeline, which is where the original Gundam series uh, takes place. That's right. where you get all the spin-offs and sequels and tie-in novels to expand on the lore of that particular universe. Yeah. I... With G Gundam, yeah, also around before G Gundam, uh the original Gundam series was actually getting a lot less popular. Okay. So that's why they decided to change things up with a new alternate universe Gundam and instead of uh you know, war story with giant robots and politics we have a fighting tournament with giant robots and the occasional politics. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm a little lost. Um, and also, also I'm looking it up and apparently IMDB says it's called Mobile Fighter G Gundam. Uh, yes, well, that's the full title. Okay. And also, yes. And it, and it says it started in 1994, but it doesn't actually have an ending date for it, which confuses me. <laughs> It it ended uh, it ended in 1990 when it originally aired in Japan. It came out in 1994 and ran for 49 episodes. America yes. America and the general English speaking public didn't get it until it aired on Toonami in 2002. Ah, that's why one of these episodes is listed in 2002. Okay, the Gundam yes. Gundam fight begins. The Gundam that Pelbert. Okay, um, so <laughs> basically. It's a visionary director, and you really like this uh, mobile. You really like Mobile Fighter G Gundam because. If you ever watch anything Imagawa directs, it, it envelops you in this grandiose style he does. Because I read an article on uh, Anime News Network done by Mike Tool about him, where Imagawa is basically hands on on everything, not just directing, writing, you know, what the storyboard art what shots to use or how, or, yeah. you know, characters that show up. Um, I mentioned before, Imagawa-san doesn't take inspiration. F- he doesn't watch other anime to get inspiration. He takes, he takes inspiration for other stuff like uh, Chinese martial arts films, like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, or American yeah. films, uh, American films by Hitchcock or European di- or from European directors like yeah. uh, Fellini or Igmar Berman. Yeah. And, so he takes uh, a wide set of inspiration and the final result, and he's hands-on, and the final result is? The final result is something that, uh, it's unlike anything you'll ever see. Something more, like I said, it's grandiose and also operatic, since he's a big fan of opera as well. So it feels on a great scale, it feels unique, even though it's it's got a lot of common inspirations. 
And it just, I guess what you're saying is it just pulls you in and it just feels, it sucks you into this whole new world. Yes, that's the best way to put it. The, okay. This is especially true. This is especially true with, uh, with Giant Robo. If I don't care how you watch it, I'm not, you know, mum's the word on if you go to any uh, other sources to watch it, since I don't think the Blu-ray is being released over in uh, Ireland. Mm. But if you have a chance to watch it, definitely, definitely watch all seven episodes. Okay. And you, you will, yeah. I don't know if you'll come away with the same experience I did, but I personally love it, and it's one of my favorites. Okay, I love cool. the artistic style. It's very reminiscent of, because you said it's based on this old 60s anime, and the style itself, it looks like an updated version of, you know, the the, the characters have this certain look look about them that's, you know, really reminiscent of, say, Astro Boy. Um, this, this very classic anime style, and I, I'm really digging it. <laughs> yeah, that's what they were going for with the production, not just, you know, a retro style design on the characters, because... This particular series just t pulls from uh, all the works of Mitsuteru Yokoyama, who created Giant Robo back in the 60s. But it also has a very, but it also has a setting that's set in a very retro future, the idealistic future of the American <clears throat> 1950s and 60s, and yeah. also tone, and also a, also tone of good versus evil, but. Definitely with a new school attitude. Actually, my friend uh, Marco, who used to be known as Armic21, uh, way back in YouTube's early days, uh, when I talked to him about it, he said it was, he coined a phrase. I think he got this from someone else. It's old school look, new school rules. It has the, it has the look, it has the look and sheen of 90s anime, but the it has the not, well, let me start again. It has the old school look of the classic mangas from the 50s through the 70s, but it's got the sheen of the 90s and the more mature storytelling than what was allowed way back when. Yeah, that's cool. That's way cool. cool. Uh, okay. Um, okay, that's quite a little. That, that's quite a bit. Um, I think I, I hope you don't mind if we uh, move on since. Um, but um, oh no, of course. I mean, I can. I, I rambled enough. Yeah. Please continue, sir. Ah, thank you. Well, I mean, it's all nice. But yeah, no, th that's interesting. I guess we can call this the uh, Mobile Gundam Suit Podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. But um, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I heard that. I just know. I, I didn't quite get where Robo Wars fit into everything, and I've also heard that War in My Pocket is meant to be good, but. Um, Overall, you're oh. recommending Gundam G, basically. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you mentioned War in the Pocket. That's a... That's a... I haven't seen all of Universal Century Gundam, but the ones I have seen... I have seen uh, War yeah. in the Pocket is among them. And that one is... That one is great if you're looking for a short six-episode series that... With a very grim, bittersweet ending. Okay. Cool. I'll keep that in mind. Um... Okay, um, and uh, Miles, um, have you any uh, anything you're currently interested in right now? Um, yeah, you know, um, other than video games, because you know that's pretty much all I do. Yeah. Um, if I'm not playing a video game, I'm making one. Or uh, the other thing, I guess, I'm super interested in these days is um, repair and modding of retro uh, game consoles. Um, cool. Yeah, I Very kind cool. of like. A couple years ago, I bought this broken Game Gear and decided I wanted to learn how to fix it. So I kind of did some quick Googling and, and bought the tools I needed. And um, yeah, it's been it's been really fun and, and definitely educational. Um, I'm able to sort of take the knowledge I've learned and how to fix these video games and apply them to uh, broader subjects. It's, you know, sort of just general electronics uh, repair. Um, so it's kind of turned in from a hobby to something I actually do for, for money. I've been working closely with this local game shop and he'll, he'll buy up broken stuff and send it my way and I'll fix it up for him. Um, okay. it's been super fun. Great. It's been really cool. No, that is really cool. I mean, I, I had a game gear that was broken and I tried repairing it and I failed. Um, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> failed, but, um, yeah, uh, no, that's great. It's, it, you know, you kind of reminded me of some of the early Sonic sceners who, um, like, had to learn uh, 60 Motorola uh, 68k uh, 
processing chip programming just so that they could like yeah. their sonic games and then suddenly finding out they had an incredibly useful set of skills that they could like really make money on so yeah yeah absolutely it's kind of the same deal um you know i've been learning how to use a uh, soldering iron and um how to desolder chips and all that stuff which i feel is a pretty universal skill set uh, in this day and age yeah no it's it's pretty cool and i guess this kind of uh yeah this um, and I guess this kind of brings us to like personal projects. I mean, I've I've been doing a bit of uh, like stuff for, like Arduino programming, so I know a little bit about uh, I know a little bit about uh, you know electronics, and I've got I'm trying to like get some LED matrices, and I'm kind of making a yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I saw I, you know I think we talked about this briefly when you were working on the helmet. Um, but I, I was looking at your Instagram. I didn't realize you were so um, electronically savvy. It, that's that's really really cool. Well, I don't consider it that savvy. I mean, like. Basically, you've got a chip and you connect the wires and then you connect the, 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 the thing into it. And after that, it's just like programming it the right way. But um, yeah, yeah. But yes, um, I'm trying my best. Um, one thing I learned is if you've got separate power sources, then you need to connect the ground wires together for some reason. But that's 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 a whole thing there. But yes, um, actually, the other week I was working on it. I was um, basically it's a protogen uh, suit head. Uh, without going into detail, it's, it's a fictional species, came across the furry fandom, it's both mechanical and furry, but one of its features is that it's got like a display in its head, it's, it's kind of like a protruding visor muzzle sort of thing, and it's like, it's, it's eyes and mouth and even nostrils are all just like image displays basically. So I, uh, I've been like 3D printing the parts out to, to put this whole thing together, and um, Get, getting the uh, 3D matrices and uh, yeah, just trying to program everything so it works the way I want it to work, pretty much. <sighs> yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that's killer. Um, I I kind of did something similar for Halloween last year. I uh, I built this like uh, astronaut costume with um, a fan rigged into the helmet that I could turn on and off of the switch yeah. and blinking lights in the backpack. And it's it was the most complicated I've ever done with a, a Halloween costume. So it was just yeah. super exciting to be able to take that knowledge from fixing yeah. up games and apply it to something like that oh yeah i mean like there's a lot of cool stuff about electronics i mean a lot of the times you're just taking components that already exist and just putting them together in new ways but yeah even that can be it's like adult legos <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah actually my friend uh my friend called tape wolf aka doug the eagle um he actually had one of his funnest projects um he was at a he's got an interesting sense of humor so he was in a shop a gardening shop and they had these like bunny statues for the garden only in his opinion and in mine they looked utterly horrifying like the sort of like dead eyes that would stare into your soul so what he did was he got he got this whole motion sensor and like servos and everything mixed up a servo is basically a motor that you can turn to exact angles like you know turn to 90 degrees turn to 10 degrees and he set it set up so that like the rabbits would be when people went up to his door on trick or treat for Halloween, the robots, the um, the rabbits would suddenly rotate and turn to face towards whoever is walking up the driveway and just stare with those dead eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. That's great. So yeah, um, no, no, uh, programming and electronics are are actually genuinely really cool. It it it's taken me a while to get to grips. It took me a while to get through stuff like the Arduino, but uh, programming LEDs and such, and especially, boy, I made this thing where I sewed a bunch of LED sequins into a back and tried to turn it into a whole game, and it kind of worked as well, which was surprising. Um, hmm. But uh, yes, in terms of projects we're getting involved with, I think Nick has something pretty big that you wanted to talk about, right? Indeed, I do. So I just found out today that an audiobook I've worked on and finished up like a couple of months ago uh, has finally been published and put out on audible.com. Uh, this is my 25th audiobook, actually. Uh, I've been doing it since around early 2014. And the latest book I did is called Paint the Tune Red. Uh, basically, what it is, think Who Framed Roger Rabbit meets Breaking Bad. It's set in a world, it's set in uh, modern-day California where, you know, the Roger Rabbit rules apply, where tunes coexist with humans, though there's, like, a bit more of, like, how some of them came to be and also, like, how they hold, uh, you know, some of the stuff on, like, how some of them, like, uh, work for certain places, yeah. even though they don't need actual money. 
And uh, it follows a main character named Tyler Fairfax, who's been, who's, you know, been down on his luck as of late, uh, you know, basically uh, trying to find jobs uh, to support himself and his boyfriend uh, and is pretty much and pretty much down to his last penny until he gets until he saves the life of uh, an old school 1930s tune named Snappy Gator and begins working for him. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but uh, let's just say halfway through, uh, he changes into a Tyler himself changes into a cartoon character in the most graphic, horrific way described in a book, and this is all done from the first person. Okay. Yeah, uh, there's as parts in this. There's one part in this book where it's not a big spoiler, but I'll mention it anyway, since this is the first time I had to do this. I had to narrate a, a, a human male on Cartoon Fox sex scene and make it sound as romantic as possible. Okay. Uh, you had your work cut out for you there. Wow. <laughs> Don't I know it? <laughs> uh, yeah. The, actually, the guy, the author I worked with, AJ, uh, AJ Mile, uh, I did a previous book for him called... Uh, Art of Madness, which is a sci-fi, uh, sci-fi urban fantasy series. Uh, only one book is out right now, though he's working on others. Uh, about a private detective named uh, Phoenix McGee, who's what they call a gear witch. Basically, he's able to control gravity and time around him. Okay. It was a yeah. It's a very cool book. And after I was finished with that, he said, "Hey, you want to do this weird, fucked up cartoon book?" I I want to make, and he was like, hey, I'm like, yeah, hey, yeah, sure. I love cartoons. Yeah. I love, <laughs> Rabbit. I love, I love cartoons. You, but little narrator, little did he know. <laughs> oh, you have no idea. I'm okay. He, I know he's working on the second book now. And here's a, here's the thing. Uh, he sent me a message a few, a few months ago about it. Uh, he, uh, when he, uh, and his husband, ask him about the book he's working on and they say hey do you think this will break patrola and the and he looks at it and he says no i don't think he will they demand him to go back and make it even more screwed up than it was before <laughs> oh man they they have it in for you <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh since uh, before this podcast started uh i was trying to get a sample to be played over it over uh, live, but unfortunately there were complications. So, for your listening pleasure, I'll read uh, the first uh, for the first few pages or so uh, right here on this podcast. Enjoy. Yep. Chapter 1. Nobody goes to Burger Circus. When you've lost control of your life and are in a handy downward spiral, you just end up at Burger Circus. However, the scroll behind the register didn't seem to mind my presence. Okay, let's see here. You had three chicken sandwiches, two medium fries, and a coffee. Uh, that'll be thirteen eighty-two. The squirrel appeared to have been drawn as a gangly, gawky late teenager, a uh, sort of a universal code for high school to early college, with brown fur, blue eyes, and the multicolored polka dot polo of the Burger Circus standard uniform. I reached into my pocket and pulled out the cup of change I'd brought from my car. Yeah, sorry for being all in coin, but it's been kind of a rough day. Please tell me I have enough. He smiled at me and counted the quarters, setting them in stacks of four, moving on to nickels, pennies, and dimes. After a bit of quick math, he winced. I hate to say it, you're just shy of two bucks short. I grimaced, looking down at it, and smacked my forehead. Oh, the $5 bill I had on the top of the coins I had given to a homeless guy earlier that day, and I forgot to make my charitable donate and I forgot to take my charitable donation into account when placing my order. Okay, get rid of one of the chicken sandwiches. He nodded, took one out of the bag, and smiled as he rang as he rang. Sorry. He nodded, took one out of the bag, and smiled as he rang everything back in. Seventeen cents. Your change. Rent was due in three weeks. I had two orders of fries, two chicken sandwiches, plain, my coffee, and seventeen cents to tide me over until then. 
Looks like things are going kind of rough for you, man. What's going on? I smiled at the squirrel and reached for the bag of food. Let's just say today's been a very special episode. The squirrel winced. Ah, ah, Sorry. Ah, Man, I'm so sorry. I really hope the moral lesson doesn't guide on you. No, I just spent all day doing a job for a guy who ended up stiffing me. Uh, I think I'll end it there. Whoa. What do you guys think? <laughs> that was... Intriguing. Yeah. First of all, I, I just gotta say, it's... You know, it wasn't until you flubbed it up <laughs> that my mind suddenly realized, you know, the voice... that The squirrel isn't isn't a different person you're you're doing the squirrel voices as well ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you thank you I, like what do you do i don't know how, how do you do the squirrel voice i mean like it just sounds well, so different from all the other voices well whenever i i narrate something like this or anything i just kind of remember to see if i can pitch my voice at least slightly higher slightly lower depending on you know, what the character is described as, age, that sort of thing. For this gawky teenager squirrel thing, and also it's a cartoon character, I just thought of, like, uh, pitching my voice around near the middle of the throat and having a little bit come out my uh, nose. And also being a little nasally come out my nose. Just think of a... Just th just, I always just picture in my mind a cartoon squirrel and what he would sound like working at a fast food joint. Okay. That is, that is cool. That, that is that is legit impressive. That is nice. I wasn't. And you, and you know what? This kind of shows me that even though I'm on a bit of a self-imposed hiatus from voice acting because of the job, and also I'm, and that I just want to take a break from audiobooks, I still got it in me, even if I don't practice all that much. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, in 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 terms of the rest of it, it's kind of hard because obviously the distinction between. You know, uh, it's it's both your voice and it's also the material as well. Uh, but in general, like I sort of like laughed a bit at the very special episode reference because I just liked that terminology. I mean, it, it it makes total sense that people would be using like TV terminology in a world like that. So it just it just really works with the theme. But um, <sighs> so <laughs> I, I did like that. Uh, but also, it's it it does its job for the start of a book. The key thing that any book should do in its starting pages is just, you know, set you up and help you understand what's going on and also drag you in. And it it does that. I mean, like, even without your thing, it's clear. This is a world of humans and cartoon characters. Um, we Even the, um, I bet you that, that that squirrel doesn't really pop up later on, but he's, he serves perfectly well as an introductory character. And we get a sense of the main character and the trials we're going through, which makes us empathize that hopefully things will get better, which, given what you've told us already, isn't necessarily guaranteed, but that's another day's work. Um, so, <laughs> oh, you don't know what happened. When I say When I say this is Who Framed Roger Rabbit meets Breaking Bad, I mean it. Because uh, things get worse. And from what the author told me, and this is part one of, a, I think, a five-book series he's looking to do. Yeah. Uh, they are going to get a lot worse. Okay, well, don't not too many spoilers, but yeah, I guess well, we can. Yeah. I guess we can say things are going to get uh, all tuned up. I guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there we go. It's either the tagline for the book is "Get wacky or get whacked." <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I like it. You know what? Also, this kind of reminds me of. Um, who have any of you guys ever seen this old '90s Disney cartoon called Bonkers? Yeah, oh I yeah, did. yeah. Okay, I personally hated that cartoon. <laughs> I, 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 I even still. And funny thing is, when uh, this was a couple of years before this book, I actually wanted to write a story about a deconstruction, if you will. What happens if a cartoon cop actually joins the LAPD? And just learns about the cruelty and vices of humanity and just dives into it. Just sort of like the unfriendly version of Bonkers. And I would and I called it the Lament of Laffy Links. Unfortunately, I never I never really did anything with it because I could never really think of a good middle part. Uh, so I just forgot all about it. Yeah. Then years later then years later, AJ comes along, has this book has this idea. 
for, you know, uh, let's just say a fucked up uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I'm thinking, you know, this is more up my alley. I want to do this. This is the thing I wanted to do that I never, that I just left alone and never did. Now, speaking of other projects, uh, speaking of other projects, I am actually working on uh, a couple of audio plays that I'm writing. Okay. Yeah. Um, Miles, I know I sent you like one that I'm currently working on that's that's currently like halfway done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'll, I'll, you know, I'll talk about that one. Uh, there's a bit of a story behind it. Uh, so last year around the winter time or so, uh, I had this dream where I was up in the mountains in the middle of the blizzard and I come to this cabin. Let it be known. I've never, uh, I've never been to the mountains, never rented a cabin. So, so it was like completely unfamiliar to me. I get to the porch. Yeah. I get to the porch, wipe my feet and all of a sudden the door opens and there's this blonde girl in a white cocktail dress that comes up and hugs me, thanks me for coming all this way. And she tells me you will always be loved. After she says that it's the point I woke up uh, and I decided to just like immediately write down what I dreamt about. And this is something, and it's, and I, and I never do that either. This is something that stuck with me the whole day that I thought I would have to go on some sort of weird spirit journey if I had the dream again. Now, I never did have it again, but it did give me the idea, and I even talked this over with a friend of mine, to do an audio play based around that dream I had, where this guy has this dream about this girl and keeps going into it and learns that the girl, you know is is not is there to help him out with uh his problems like sort of like a therapist but she calls herself a serenity maiden and through these conversations yeah and through these conversations you learn that the girl is actually lonely she can't venture out beyond the cabin and they start to you know sort of connect sort of connect not sort of connect fully connect so it's about love transgressing metaphysical barriers and the physics of dreams. Yes. Or I like to call it a romantic sci-fi fairy tale. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. I, so I'm working on that. So that's the one I'm working like whole hog on, uh, you know, when I can think of a good idea or how the story progresses and it's called remember the dream girl. Because when I think of this story, uh, the music of Tracy Chapman pops into my head, especially the song uh, Fast Car. The good, you know, have you guys ever heard of Tracy Chapman or not? No. Heard of it, but I, I haven't. I'm not too familiar. Can you have oh, the song? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Fast Car goes like. You got a fast car. Fast car, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got. I've really. Yeah, it's actually, oh, yeah. Trace, I was actually... Tracy is a guy, not a girl. Gotcha, sorry. No, 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 Tracy's a girl. Oh, oh, you're right, Tracy's a girl. Sorry, I was thinking... Oh, no, yeah, you're yeah, right, yeah. I was thinking... Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. And you remember yeah. when we're candidates in my car, something... Anyway, yeah, <laughs> you sound uh, just like her. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I got inspired... Yeah, while thinking of the story, I got inspired... Uh, by that particular song and started listening to more of her music and really getting into her stuff. My favorite, one of my favorite songs of hers being Remember the Tin Man, which is a beautiful but very sad song about like broke, about a man, about, it could be a man, man or woman, it could never really specifically says, uh, you know, suffering from a broken heart. And I decided to take the title from that and call and just change the wording. So remember the Tin Man became remember the Dream Girl. Okay, awesome. Well, well, keep us updated on that anyway. And it it sounds pretty cool. You, you're writing, uh, voicing, and go, and you've just had a audio book that you worked I, on released. Yes. Now for the audio play in particular, I'll be voicing the main character, and I'm getting. I'm actually uh, talking to a. I actually talked to a friend of mine to not only voice uh, one of the secondary characters, uh, an eccentric adventure named Shinji Harada, but also to 
do some of the music. Uh, his name is JT Curtis. He actually do, he actually performs music in the he actually performs music in New York City. Uh, he also has a Patreon page, and I've done a documentary comedy documentary series with him called "The History of Rock and Roll." So he knows his stuff. Okay, cool. And I'm also planning to make this paid when it's all finished. All right. Well, certainly the. Well, I wish you the genuinely wish you the very best of luck with that. Um, okay, uh, keep us updated. Um, I will. Okay, um, just to wrap up uh, personal the whole personal projects thing, um, uh, Miles. I guess we should mention that certain thing that we're working on, shouldn't we? Yeah, let's go ahead and shamelessly plug real quick. Um, of course. <laughs> well, what, what's the whole point of this other than shame? Um, <laughs> what we are working on, and we've worked on for a while, is a Petricor. It is a, a 2D um, space pack, space-themed science fiction jetpack exploration and shooting game. Uh, you land down on the uh, moon on a, of a gas giant and try to uncover the secrets that lay below the surface. And so there's going to be a lot of shooting and a lot of exploration and reading audio logs and, defeat, and all sorts of weird robotic and organic enemies. And uh, hopefully you should enjoy you should enjoy it. Um, we've had yeah. A... If you we'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and put the we'll, uh, the website if you guys if you want to check it out. Uh, Nick and then whoever else is listening, it's petricorgame.com. Um, yes. Yeah, and it's it's kind of it's got its roots in uh, sort of a mix between arcade shoot 'em ups and uh, Super Metroid. If you were to kind of mash those two games together, I feel like it's a pretty good description of what this game is all about. Yeah. Mm. Um... Most re- we've got a version of the game released on uh, uh, we got a demo of the game released on Sage uh, at the moment. Uh, how much of the in development stuff should we let people know about Miles Air? Uh? Um, I mean, how, how do you mean exactly? Oh, I'll I'll just say that we're currently we're re- working some stuff, uh, and uh, obviously we want obviously we've been working on it for quite a while, um, and it's yeah. been quite the whole journey. But uh, you know we're up to. I, I think we're both we're we're, we're we want, we want to keep working on it and get this game released and have a lot of people play through all the adventures and the levels and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know we've um, the the demo that's up there right now. It's kind of a a mostly finished section of the first level, so you can kind of get an idea of all the different things you can do um, when you play the full game. Um, as of right now, I guess we've got more or less the whole game designed on paper. Um, and we've uh, got a good team going, so we're really hoping to be able to finish this thing, hopefully, by the end of the year. Yeah, that's that's the idea, all right. That's that's what we're aiming for. <laughs> okay, um, with that, I'm kind of going to, thinking of, we'll wrap things up. Um, I did plan that we could talk a bit about the old MC days or the SCR days, if anyone, but uh, I don't know. I think... I think I, yeah, I, maybe we can save that for next time. Yeah, I think so. I think we've uh, maybe when we have some more some more folks on and able to reminisce. Exactly, and I mean, like as I've said before, um, as I said actually in the chat while preparing for this, um, I like to respect and acknowledge the past, but you don't want to over obsess about it because it's been fun talking about a lot of the cool things that have been going on with the movie and games we're playing and and animes and stuff. And I just um, so I think now is a good enough time to wrap things up. So um, thank you very much, Nick and Milo. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, and Thanks for having us. Thanks ah, for having us, man. Thanks. It's been awesome. And, uh, and that's it for episode one of, I guess, the Needle Mouse cast. <laughs> Needle Mouse cast. <laughs> we'll see how that... We'll see. We'll do another Google. We'll make sure that it's Rachel. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, thanks, thanks again. And uh, for all you listening, hope you enjoyed yourself. And catch you next time. See you later, folks. Bye-bye.